1: Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, we're going to learn about love and logic in parenting with fellow therapist, my friend Becky Hennessy. That and more coming up on The Virtual Couch. Hey, before we get started today, new email feedback. Here we go. Let me read this. Dear Tony, I'm a big fan. Thank you for all the work that you do on The Virtual Couch. I have a confession to make. I have been referring to you as my therapist now for over a year. And recently, I was called out on this. Someone said, hey, I'd like to meet with him as well. Can you give me his contact info? You can imagine I was a little bit ashamed. But then I said, okay, fine. He's not really my therapist. But I think you'll still benefit from the virtual couch. So my friend then started listening to you and they heard your ad about BetterHelp.com, and lo and behold, they actually went and got a real therapist. Yeah, sure, it's an online therapist, and it's not you, but now they're telling me that they have a therapist, and I don't. Sure, rubbing it in my face a little bit, but I just wanted to continue to thank you for the content, and I think that I maybe will actually reach out to someone at BetterHelp.com, and don't worry, I'll use your code, BetterHelp.com, slash Virtual Couch, to get my discount, I'm no dummy. Sincerely, and uh, of course, I will not read their name. But hey, thanks for the feedback, and I really do appreciate those, and uh, no shame in my dojo. And I'm grateful that your friend reached out through betterhelp.com slash virtualcouch, and that they're getting help. But uh, if you, too, are looking for a therapist, then I highly recommend that uh, that you go reach out. Try it. Go to betterhelp.com slash virtualcouch, if you're interested in any type of professional help, and and I know that you know, some people have reasons not to maybe reach out to somebody local, or if they prefer not to go into the therapist's office, or. If they feel like the therapists in their area don't have the experience of a particular issue that they want to deal with, then you can go check out their thousands, literally thousands and thousands of certified licensed counselors and therapists on the betterhelp.com website. So go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. You'll get 10% off your first months of service. You can start communicating with somebody in less than 24 hours. No waiting in uncomfortable waiting rooms. And again, I will admit my waiting room is pretty comfy, but it's more affordable than traditional counseling. And one thing that I don't talk about enough is that they also offer financial aid. So go check out what now well over 500,000 people have already done before you. Sign up now by going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Get the help that you needed, even the help that you maybe didn't know that you needed today. What are you waiting for? Again, broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which might not be locally available. It's available wherever you are, worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can even do text or email conversations with your therapist, and the assessment process is incredible. Uh, They they will assess your needs. They'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and oftentimes, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. So, what are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch get 10% off your first month services. All right, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to episode 162 of the Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father, four, ultra marathon runner and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people like you reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always knew you could be way then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And uh, I also would encourage you to visit the virtual couch on Instagram. That's at virtual couch. And I'm continuing to do weekly question and answer sessions. I just recorded a little Instagram TV. This is on a Friday for um, for release today. Talking a little bit more about uh, neuropathways, mindfulness, the connections that the brain makes, Um, all those good things. So that's over on at uh, the Virtual Couch page on Instagram. And you can also find me on Facebook, Virtual Couch page there or Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. Go like them both. And if you have a minute and you've enjoyed any of the Virtual Couch podcast material, please do me a favor and rate, review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, all that good stuff. And uh, head over to TonyOverbay.com doing some work there, sharing a lot more uh, information about programs, upcoming programs, the podcast, and the upcoming release of a book that I co-authored and it is called He's a Porn Addict Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict Answer Your Questions. I am playing the role of the expert. And former virtual couch guest Josh Shea, who has also authored a best selling book called The Addiction Nobody Will Talk About, writes as the addict. And so I'm linking that now in all the show notes. You can go pre order the book. So let's get to today's show. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Becky Hennessy. And Becky is she's she's just a lot of fun. And Becky and I have been trying to get this um, this interview going for quite a while. Uh, Becky is and it's just been scheduling. It's one of those kind of things. But Becky's a licensed clinical social worker, and she is and as well as uh, she's so she's a therapist, she's a coach, and she owns a counseling business in Utah. And uh, she is she has a lot of topics that she could cover, and that's what I was kind of excited. But one of them that she likes, and she's uh, she's an instructor. In this parenting paradigm, parenting technique called Love and Logic. And if you've been listening to the virtual couch for a while, you'll know that I am a huge advocate of a parenting paradigm called the Nurtured Heart Approach. And so I often hear about love and logic. I think love and logic might even have a greater reach than the nurtured heart approach. And I'll be super honest. I don't know anything about love and logic. And I have people talk often just telling me about similarities. And so I I, you know, there's a part of me that, that I don't know if you're this way as well, but where I think, man, I would really I really want to go learn more about love and logic. But in the same breath, I really enjoy and and have just used for years now the Nurtured Heart approach. So when Becky had mentioned in some of the topics that she could cover that she is a Love and Logic instructor, I thought, here's here's my person. I really want to hear what she has to say about Love and Logic. So I, I just want to give you a heads up up front that, I mean, it was I really wanted to go in and not try to do a comparison to the Nurtured Heart approach. So if you are, again, somebody who... Uh, listens to the podcast often, and you've heard me talk about that. Maybe you've even become a nurtured heart approach person yourself. Um, there's there are plenty of times where in my mind, all I could do is just think of one to one to bring up. Well, in the nurtured heart approach, this is how we handle things. But I didn't do that. I think maybe toward the end, I threw a little bit of something in there. But so I think that you're gonna you're gonna like this concept. Um, what I really wanted to say before we get to this is that I just believe in having a parenting paradigm to kind of work from. And uh, and so whether it's the nurtured heart approach, whether it's love and logic, I really just find it important. And this is my own personal experience, as well as I got a fair amount of anecdotal and evidence based data to back it up that, you know, you want some foundation to start from. And so a a parenting um, modality, a parenting program, a parenting paradigm any of these, whether it's you, whether you're a single uh, parent or whether you have you're married and your partner is in on the paradigm or not. Now, in a perfect world, they are going to be in on this paradigm. So you're operating you know, from the same page. That's going to make things a whole lot easier and less confusing for your kids. But I'm telling you that if you're and I, and I always hate, I think the word excuse can sound very dramatic. But if your excuse is, hey, my husband doesn't want to do it, or if you're the husband and it's my wife doesn't want to do it, I would just really encourage you to continue, to, to learn a parenting paradigm yourself because it really does bring a lot of sanity, um, whether it's the love and logic approach or nurtured heart, either one of these. There's some really clear kind of foundational principles, and I think that those just help. They help so much because parenting is really, really hard. Um, I have four kids at this point now. They're 21, 19, 17, and 15. And my wife and I were just talking last night and, uh, you know, you kind of I think before you ever have kids, maybe the assumption is as they get older, whether it's going to be easier or you're by that time, you're going to know everything. And so you're going to be a lot more calm and a little heads up if you don't do the work yourself and kind of get in a better place yourself and with your spouse. Then the 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 parenting can get just even it can be more difficult because it can just drive you crazy. But I boy, I promise you the the nurtured heart approach for me and for Becky it's this love and logic, or for a lot of uh, clients I work with it's either either one of those. But they've really brought more peace into the home because you you really at least you know what you're trying to achieve and the way that you um, talk to your kids, the way you interact with your kids, the way you don't respond to your kids, the things you don't respond about. And so I just highly encourage you. I think I've gone on long enough here saying find a parenting paradigm. So I uh, hope you will like this one about love and logic. Becky also has a podcast called the path of imperfection that I highly recommend. And so without any further ado, um, let's get to my interview on love and logic with Becky Hennessey. Little things, okay. So, all right. So then, we have to make a pact so that our ADHD <laughs> won't go wild. So, if I'm on a hey, tangent or you're on a tangent, then uh, we both um, rein uh, it uh, in. Right? Yes, I don't know okay. if hand or if there's like a word to say, but uh, we 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 both are. If it's a safe place. We can call it <laughs> back into the uh, the topic, right?
2: I think it sounds like a good agreement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
1: was saying that I was about to go off on another tangent. All right, Becky, thanks for coming on the virtual couch.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited Thank for you to be
1: here. Interested. And uh, I, I think we tried We tried to get this scheduled a while ago. I don't think you had some girls camp stuff or, and then I would, yeah. uh, I don't know, have stuff going on or whatever. So Life
2: just got crazy, right?
1: Yeah, but long awaited, because I, I, you have so many different, um, and I probably, I already will have given you an amazing introduction in my... Oh. <laughs> Thank you. But I, but I, and I probably have already said that when we've been going back and forth, you've got so many topics that you can cover that, yeah. uh, and so when you had mentioned that you are, you do love and logic parenting, mm-hmm. um, I just, I want to hear all about that. I'm a nurtured heart approach guy and I hear that they're similar, but, I, but my goal is I'm going to come at this. I'm not going to do the, well, a nurtured heart, we do this, but I just want to, sure. I know nothing, which is, is not a hard role to play for me. <laughs> and so I would love to hear more about love and logic, but before we do that, give me a little bit about your background.
2: A little bit about my background. Okay. Um, like professionally or personally, do you want both just kind of readers yeah. digest in both spaces? Uh, wherever you
1: would like to go, Becky.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. That's fun. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I have been a therapist for the last 12 years and I also do coaching cause mm-hmm. it's like, Therapy without a diagnosis, right? I started out professionally by working for DCFS. So here in Utah, that's the Division of Child and Family Services. Okay. So I worked in child protection oh, wow. um, where I was actually like removing kids from homes. And then I switched gears and started to do in-home therapy to keep kids in homes. So that's kind of where like my social work stuff started.
1: Not always uh, Was it a passion? Did you know growing up you wanted to get into social work or was, and is this a second career or a first career?
2: Yeah. So this, this is, yeah, first, first career. Uh, it's honestly, it's a calling. It's okay. something that I know that God wants me to do. Uh, initially I tried other paths, like just within college, tried taking other courses and stuff like that. Like I thought I'd really like interior design. I thought um, that I'd like to go in other directions, but God said no. So I conceded and started down the social work path and it just has fit. So that's kind of why I got into it. Yeah, started out with DCFS and then worked for a variety of different agencies, uh, like LDS Family Services, worked for them for a while that kind of stuff, and then went out on my own about seven, almost eight years ago. Okay, know, Was that a
1: of for you when you went out on your own? Was that hard?
2: Yeah, it was a lot harder for me than it was for my husband. My husband was very encouraging in mm-hmm. it. I am incredibly conservative. I'm not really a risk taker. Okay, And I liked the stability and consistency of having an agency take care of all of the other stuff and me just needing to show up and yeah. things like that. But, uh, the braver I got, the more courageous I got. And again, that was something that God was like, look, this is what you need to do. And I, I mean, he has to hit me in the face with a two by four. Yeah, but I but think it's just cause I don't listen. <laughs> when
3: he does
1: though, then you're on it, right? So that's a good thing.
2: Yeah. So anyway, that's why I finally decided to jump ship. It just got to a point where my private practice was, Flourishing, mm-hmm. and I couldn't do both. I couldn't work for an agency. I was currently working for LDS Family Services at the time, and I, I couldn't do both.
1: So. Yeah. so it sounds like you do have a, do you have a, is part of that calling to work with kids or families, or what do you feel like that is your? Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So it's kind of eclectic. I uh, specialize in betrayal trauma. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of betrayal trauma. Um, but with that, trauma's trauma. Some of it's, you know, There's horses of different colors in that space, but trauma is trauma. And so, yeah, I've always, by default, just done the trauma thing. And I also see kids. So it's kind of, I don't know, half and half, maybe. Yeah. Where, and it's just something
1: that's uh, just been natural. So how did you come to Love & Logic and, 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 you know, and and what is, are we ready for this? I'm excited. Let's
2: go. Okay. Let's go, yeah. So my parents, actually, I mean, this tells you, A, like how old Love and Logic is because okay. of how old I am. My parents utilize Love and Logic. So uh, my mom and dad got divorced after 18 years, and then my mom married my current stepdad. His name's Tom. Um, and Tom came into the marriage with 12 children. Oh, wow. Okay. So my mom had five with my dad, and then Tom came in with with 12 kids. Wow. And so my mom to prevent insanity yeah. started to take love and logic courses. Okay. So when I was a teenager, my mom started to utilize love and logic and I liked the feel of it. Okay. I really like as a kid, I felt like that's when parenting shifted for my mom because prior to, it was very, very different. My mom was um, more of kind of a drill sergeant, yeah, which is, crazy is Yes. Yes. Very like, hit me with a fire hose. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I noticed it as a teenager, my mom using it. And so when I got into adulthood, I started taking courses before I even had kids. And I just guinea pig on other people's kids. Like in my practice, you know, like when I do therapy, I'd guinea pig on other people's kids or I had nieces and nephews and I'd guinea pig on them as well. Uh, old, and so that's okay. where it started. Okay. And
1: how old were you? What, you say you're a teenager when your mom made that shift?
2: Yeah. I like
1: that you said that you felt, you know, you felt it different I, and maybe this is too soon to jump into this, but, uh, and I promised I wasn't going to say nurtured heart. You're funny. I know what I'm funny. doing the nurtured heart stuff. I think it's funny when parents will say that their kids will kind of see that shift and that yeah. they'll kind of say, okay, I know what you're doing. Or they'll even yeah. almost mock it. You know, you weren't praising me enough. I mean, did you have that kind of an attitude?
2: Uh, um, no, I found it refreshing. Honestly, because I think it's just because of the principles of Love and Logic, like at what's at the very core of it, made it very, very refreshing to me. Lots of empathy, lots mm-hmm. of allowing me to make my own choices and things like that. And it was a stark contrast from how I was initially raised. Gotcha. So for me, it was refreshing. My siblings, not fans, not fans. No, fan. no. <laughs> but I, I really liked a lot of the aspects of it. So it was really cool for me.
1: Well, I like that. And maybe we can weave this into the interview, too. I like the fact that you... Um, it did feel it felt felt good because I think a lot of times you know you have parents that have resistance to any kind of parenting yeah. program or paradigm shift or, or that yeah. sort of thing. So I like that you're saying you know I, we can tell a parent that uh, there are also teenagers that will say thank you you know it's yeah
2: right and the thank you didn't come until later until I had actually taken some of the courses and honestly the true appreciation didn't happen until I had my own kids because I was seriously the most amazing mom before I had kids. Like I was so good at it. (laughs) And I would tell you, I'm sure, like I was so good at it. And I thought, okay, I've got this down. I had taken like four of the love and logic courses. I mean, it's the same course just over and over and over to get into into my head. And then I had my own babies and I was like, this is hard.
1: Yeah. You almost want to like put a, a, an ad out that says, Hey, sorry, all you guys, I was giving advice to, I really had no idea. Right.
2: I had no clue. And I didn't know I didn't know, right? Like I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. But once I had my own kids, then the appreciation sunk in okay. because I was like, this is tough. Like this doesn't just roll off your tongue. This isn't just super easy. And our own kids bring up stuff in us. And so to to reflect on that and see like, wow, my parents had to have a lot of mindfulness, a lot of awareness of themselves. Yeah. And this isn't doesn't come easy. Like you have to practice and practice and practice. It gave me a ton of of appreciation for well, so and you know, I,
1: I had a um, I had a session recently where there's going to be a blended family, and we were talking about a, a kind of a, a parenting strategy or a parenting paradigm, or to be yeah. um, aligned in on the same parenting uh, paradigm. How, how sure. important is that? I mean, do you feel like that is something you preach? What are the challenges with that in general? Maybe before, yeah,
2: I think that kind of takes it to a broader spectrum of me because I I feel like not only in and maybe this comes like from the betrayal trauma therapist in me, I don't know, but I think that you can apply anything and not have the other one necessarily applying the same tactics and uh-huh. it can still be successful. Okay. Um, definitely more helpful if you're on the same page, but there's a lot that can be done. In fact, there's a whole like section of Love and Logic where they talk about here's how to do that if the other parents aren't on, on board, uh-huh. here's how to do that if okay. um if the other like your kids are in two different houses. Other parent has a completely different lifestyle than you. Here's how to go about doing that. And at the end of the day, when you boil it down, basically it's you do you and focus on your relationship with your kiddo. You stay in your lane yeah. and the other parent will either see that and say, that's awesome. Walk me through that. I want some of that. Or the other parent might not have as connected of a relationship.
1: Okay. I love it. So but your own owning what you can, uh, what, you you can do own. what you
2: can do. Yeah. 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 And it, it really love and logic really facilitates not lecturing the other parents. So you get to use all of the strategies of love and logic in your relationship as well as with your kids. Like, so with your spouse, you're not going to lecture them. You're not going to tell them what they have to do or what they, how they need to apply it. You're going to stay in your lane and you're going to just lead out. And if they decide they want to adopt it, awesome. Then hopefully they can have as connected of a relationship with their kids as you can. If they don't, that's okay too. You yeah. do you. And, and so that's kind of the, but I think that comes from a lot of different spaces. No, it's not good. just the love and logic space.
1: Well, and I think that, uh, and, and I won't keep hammering this, but so if a kid even gives you pushback or there may even be your spouse could give you pushback of, Oh, well look at you getting all fancy with your, you know, new right. and and that's normal. It's okay. It doesn't mean yeah. that you can stop. And I love that you're saying love and logic has that even probably built in
2: built into it. Yeah. And what's beautiful for me is I kind of use that sometimes as like a measuring stick, Uh you know, like as a therapist, if I'm not getting fired every now and again, am I really doing my job? Like, Right. (laughs) right. Like if every, if every single person I'm seeing is like, Oh, I love this. This is awesome. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Like, am I really stretching myself? And I I think it's the same in regards to parenting, right? If you're not getting some kickback from your kids, if you're not getting some pushback and it's just like smooth gravy train the whole time, it's fair to really look at that parenting strategy Yeah, because you're going to get kickback. It's It's natural. It's part of the human experience. Um, It's not to say that they're going to kick back all the time and every single time. And if there's that, that's fair to have awareness as well. But yeah, you're going to get kicked. It's not a situation of where your kids are like, thank you so much for this parenting strategy. It's changing my life. It's strengthening our connection. I'm so appreciative of it at 14. Okay. That's not... Uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. It's not even to be expected at yeah. some point, right? So all right, let's, let's dive in. What, where, where do we start? What is the love and love and logic? What is the... Or Tell me more.
2: Yeah, yeah. So let me kind of walk you through. So here's something to keep in mind first. And this is what I've noticed as just a parenting coach and a parenting therapist is... A lot of times when we learn a new strategy, so as I give you this stuff, right? And as I give um, the folks that are listening this new stuff, a lot of times we hear it and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds like truth. And then we go into this place of shame
3: yeah.
2: and we start to judge our then selves with our now knowledge. Yeah. So as I'm like outlining this stuff, it's important for us to stay in this space of, okay, I'm not going to judge my then self with my now knowledge. So if I obtain new knowledge in this episode or whatever, I'm not going to go back and be like, oh, no wonder my kids are la 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 la. Like that's on me, and like how you phrased it, you know, we shouldn't shoot should on ourselves. Yeah. And so, stay clear of that, and just be super aware. Like, just just have that awareness of, oh, okay, note to self, that needs to shift a little bit. Like right. now that you've got new knowledge, you can show up different, right? Yeah. So the love part of love and logic is the idea that basically we're going to show our kids love by being incredibly boundaried okay. and by holding them accountable with logical consequences. So that's want, the love I was, part.
1: I was, I almost want to pause. Cause I think that, um, I think people, when they hear things like love and logic or nurtured heart or parenting system or paradigm that they immediately think it's just the, uh, cause I had someone say this recently of, okay, so it's just going to be the, the squishy feely stuff. And they're mm-hmm. going to they're going to have people walk all over them and they're going to cry at every Kleenex commercial. And you know, that sort of thing yeah. but you're saying there's boundaries, uh, there's yeah. accountability. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's really hard. Like I'm just going to be honest with like the reason I became a facilitator is because I could not have this stuff roll off my tongue naturally. Yeah. Like I was noticing that it was really hard because the key component is empathy. Okay. And if we're not given empathy as a kiddo, it's really hard to practice it. Right. And so I had to teach it. I had to go to Colorado, learn how to teach it and then teach it a ton in order for it to just kind of roll off my tongue. Yeah. So, it's hard. It's going to be tough, right? But the love part is that boundaryed stuff. Okay. So, it's being really boundaryed and it's holding our kids accountable. Okay. Which I know you're you're a fan as well of Brené Brown. Mm-hmm. And she has said that her research has shown her that the only variable that's the same in all folks that are compassionate uh-huh. is that they have boundaries of steel. Oh, wow. Okay. So in order for us to show up in the most compassionate place with our kids, we have to have boundaries of steel. And that's because when you don't have boundaries of steel and your kids are just shenaniganing over here, uh-huh. you are in resentment. You're frustrated. You're angry. You don't really have space to have compassion, but with boundaries, you set those boundaries, and no matter what, you're going to stay consistent in your boundaries. Then you've got all the energy and all the space in the world to have more compassion for your kids. Mm. Yeah. So that's the love part okay. of the love and logic part. The logic part is that when boundaries and consequences happen with sincere empathy, that's key, Okay. then our kids basically begin to have this logic that, Starts to go, okay, I wonder how this choice is going to affect my life. Mm. And I wonder how this choice is going to affect others' lives. So because you're showing up with love, they logic it out. Okay.
1: Okay. Because if, if you don't have love, you're making it easy on them because this is their, you're overreacting. You're you're, yeah. you're making it easy for them to tap out, not have to think about anything. Yeah. My parents are the worst. Is that
2: Yes. And then they just have to sit in that space and they have to think either of strategies to combat you yeah. and to come up against you. Right. Or they're blaming you. They're not having any accountability of their own. They can get so worked up because mom is so mad. They can get so like victimy because yeah. my mom is so mean and my mom is so mad versus sitting there and saying, oh, maybe I shouldn't have come home at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That must've been really tough for her. Yeah. So that's kind of the love and the logic piece.
1: I love it. I think that I, I don't know yeah. if you've had this experience, so I'd imagine so, or had clients that do of when they do kind of take that, uh, that anger away that it's almost yeah. like their kids will come down and I don't know, maybe they're wearing something that they normally wouldn't or they say oh, something, yeah. whatever. And and when the parent doesn't engage, it's almost like they, they're, they you know, they're almost like, what are you looking at mom and dad? And it's like, Oh, how beautiful you are. You know, it's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's like, when, you know, it's almost like, okay, I'll be right back. I'll go change. I mean, yeah. it's not that easy, but, um, have you had that experience where you just watch yeah. the fire go out of them because you yes okay.
2: it's the ultimate it's the ultimate curveball I yep. kind of when I talk with parents I let them know anytime you're gonna apply a new strategy or something it's like acting just expect that it's gonna get worse before it gets better just okay. because kids are gonna push back yep. and this happens super young like I think about as I started to really, hit hard and applying some of the love and logic strategies between like nine months to 18 months ish with my little kiddo. Uh-huh. Oh man. She was not a happy camper at all. Like she that young. Was I mean, so this is yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yep. So basically there are some key components to the love and logic theme. And here's the thing. This is one of the reasons I love love and logic because it had so many different parenting pieces, parenting strategies, or things like that choice parenting, What you've talked about, you know, those kinds of things, there's a little bit of a lot of that in it, right? So you're going to hear some things that are very similar. So at the very, very heart, here's the key component. At the very heart of love and logic is the relationship and connection, Okay. which speaks to my soul. I love, I love that stuff at the very heart of it is having that everything goes back to the importance of that relationship and how to help strengthen that and support that. To fortify that relationship. So, if there is no relationship to speak of, mm-hmm. if there's no connection, if you don't have that with your kiddos, that's where you start.
1: Okay. I, okay. I love it, and and I just and I know I'm going to cut. I'm going to add a little bit of this. You're stuff.
2: fine. You're fine. You do. Your I, but fine. I
1: love. I mean, that. Only, I felt that when you were saying that that connection yeah. piece because I even feel like when I have parents say look, I, I didn't have any parenting paradigm used on me and I turned out yeah. fine. And sometimes I almost feel bad when it's like, Hey, what's your relationship like with your parents now? And it's well, yeah. we, we don't really talk much or we don't get along or right. I tolerate them. And, and then I feel like when people have kind of fused to that and that's normal, you know, that, again, it goes back to they don't know that what a relationship looks like and they've stuck on this. Yeah. Well, that's going to be some, they walk all over me or that sort of thing. But no, you're talking about a relationship with your your kids that will last forever, that it will extend with your grandkids. It's it's a wonderful thing, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's a situation of where you like you keep in mind. You know, my kids are going to pick where I go in retirement, like right? when I'm <laughs> when I'm old and can't. You know, I want to have a good enough relationship with my kids that they stick me somewhere really lovely.
1: <laughs> yeah, that will bring me, my decor's changed at some point, you know. and yes, uh,
2: yes right. So sure. that's at the very core of everything. Now. What that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that because the relationship's most important, I'm going to let my kids walk all over me. It doesn't mean because the relationship's most important, I'm going to stay quiet about this. Similarly, it does not mean because the relationship's most important, I'm going to blast my kids Mm -hmm. like nobody's business. And I'm going to, I call those the lawnmowers and fire hoses, right? So it's not that it's not the snowplow parent either. It's a very beautiful, like Moving from a drill sergeant or a helicopter or what I call a fire hose and a lawnmower, it's moving into this consultant role with them. Okay. In the space of that. And the, the key to that is empathy.
1: Okay. That's I, the I really key don't to have that. time for this, but man, I feel like a separate podcast on just, I feel like people truly just need more empathy training. And even people yes. that think they know empathy, bless their hearts. I have empathy for them, but they don't. it goes back to that they don't even know that they don't know what true empathy is. I I get a lot of in my office. Empathy is okay. No, that that makes sense. But here's what they need to know. You know, it's like a pause is not empathy. A, okay, but comma is not empathy, but maybe we do that on a, a part two.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Empathy is really where it's at because empathy in, in love and logic, specifically empathy comes before every single thing that comes out of your mouth. It comes before every tactic. It comes before every consequence. And because folks are so confused about empathy, they think, no, if I give empathy, then my kid's going to think they got off and didn't get any, yeah. 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 Or if I give empathy, then my kids won't really know that I mean business. Yeah. Or I'm going to do empathy and that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to stay in that space and I'm not going to give these consequences. But that's not what empathy is, right? Empathy is basically holding it, sitting with somebody in it and saying, this is important to you. And I get that. And I like how I work with my clients is I say, you give an empathetic statement and then you put a period after it. No bridge, no butt bridge, no yet, no however, no. I even had a client, bless their hearts, I even had a client that was, I took all those off the table and they came back and they're like, it's not working. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, so walk me through. And they were using the word nevertheless. Oh. I had not said that word. And yeah. so they thought that, that was so so I hear, so you you hear you that hard.
1: Nevertheless, you know, yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. that. it's still a bridge. So we have to put a period after the empathy, but that empathy, it can be a phrase. Yeah. It can be a sound. Like yeah. there's times where I have like hands to the heavens. I have to ask for strength from the man above because of whatever my kids have done. And all I can get out is an empathetic noise. Yeah. Sometimes that's what happens, right? Like, Oh,
3: mm. Mm. yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm.
2: Yep. Yeah. Or it can be a look, an empathetic look. Like I think about times that I'm having a conversation with my husband and I'm verbally vomiting all my stuff and it's just so hard. And he looks at me and just gives me this just soft look of like, oh my gosh, right? that hurts my heart to hear. Right. It can even be a touch. Yeah. yeah. An arm around him, or, you know, something like that. So empathy doesn't just have to be a phrase. It's quickest with a phrase, but there can be a lot of other things. But empathy is at the very core of the love of magic piece. And
1: I, and hear? And I, well, I was saying, am I saying? Am I hearing you correctly? That he is not staring at your phone while your kid talks to you? Is that no. apparently that's not? Yeah.
2: No, because that's not true empathy.
1: I know right. Right.
2: And here's the thing: it's all about tone. Yeah. And it's all about your, like your body language. You can say the same thing, like such. You could say, "Gosh, that sounds really hard," and it could sound like, "Well, gosh, that sounds really hard."
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And it's the same exact words, but if it's like, oh gosh, sweetie, that sounds really hard. It just sounds different. Right. And if I'm saying, gosh, that's really hard. And I'm looking at my phone, they're thinking like, mm, how hard is it? <laughs> like clearly yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's not that, that important. I
1: think text can be so difficult too, because I mean, how many times now do you have uh, someone ta- telling you about a conversation and then you say, well, and then what did they say? And they're like, well, let me, let me tell you. And they pull out their text, Right. And then, yeah. and it, it says, and then they said, that sounds really hard. And you're right. And they look at you are like, I mean, how rude is that? I'm like, well, I think art's like super awesome. I mean, you know, we don't yeah, know.
2: Sure. One way or the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the beauty of this empathy piece is the best way to hold a kid accountable without losing their love, without losing their respect, without losing them being engaged is through empathy. Okay. It's the best way to, because if we give out that empathy, we're standing beside them in it, we're allowing their ears to be able to open up and hear what it is that we have to say because we're not lecturing, we're not mad, we're not whatever. So it allows us to align with them and look at the issue or look at the situation. And then they've got to figure out what to do. If we stand in between that because we're mad, because we're lecturing, because we're carrying the entire burden for them so they don't have to feel the pain. If we're standing in between that, then they don't have the ability to work through that. And then we're surprised right. as parents. It's so funny to me because I visit with so many folks that complain about millennials and blah, 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 blah. And they complain about these kids, you know, these entitled kids that are being raised now and kids that are in junior high and high school, yada, yada, yada. And as I'm hearing them, I think like we're raising them though. Yeah. That's the bottom line. I mean, and, I, and yes, there are entitled kids out there and I get that. But at the end of the day, if we stand in, in between the pain, either because we're trying to inflict it or because we're trying to prevent it, they don't get the muscles on how to deal with that pain. They don't know how to have that happen in their life. And so we want to blame them for not being able to do X, Y, and Z, for not being able to talk to a professor about a grade, for not being able to pick themselves up after that no when they didn't get the job or whatever. But my stars, a lot of times, we're preventing them from that pain or we're the ones causing it They don't know how to do it. So empathy allows that piece.
1: Okay. I love it. I mean, I can go into, and I'll try to make this one super quick, but I mean, I like what you're saying there because, and then we want to lecture them because they didn't do it. And then we want, you know, and and, and there goes that without the empathy piece and it's not even asking them, why is that hard? What's difficult about going to your professor? Tell me what that's like. And then we get into that thing with like, well, you just need to do it. And when I was young, I did it and whatever. And so again, the the lack of empathy. So, All right. I think we got the empathy thing down. It's the
2: bee's knees. Okay. So that's one, that's, that is key most important relationship in the empathy stuff. So other stuff in love and logic is you share control within limits. Okay. What's that? All right. So what that looks like is, this is about boundaries. Here's the thing. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I don't like it. Our kids don't like it. We have this part of our brain that wants to have a say that wants to have control in our lives. We have that, just that piece of us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we set control within limits, basically what we do is we don't go around telling everybody what they can do and can't do or how they can do it. We let them know what we're willing to allow and what we're okay with. Okay. I am more than happy to take you to your friend's house. As long as your words are respectful as we're driving. Okay. Okay. You are more than welcome to go over and hang out with so-and-so just as soon as your homework's done. Okay. So it comes in this space of like, absolutely, right? My little guy, he, I mean, fruit snacks are the bee's knees for him. He just turned six and he would live off of fruit snacks if he could. And so when he comes in every, like he's getting there to where it's not every single morning, but he'll come in in the morning, first thing, like I'm not even out of bed yet. And he's popped up and wants fruit snacks for breakfast. So he comes in and he's like, mom, can I have fruit snacks for breakfast? First words out of my mouth get to be, oh, buddy, absolutely, you can have some fruit snacks, just as long as you've had a banana and some toast. Okay. And so what he hears is, yes, I can have fruit snacks. I just need to have bananas and toast first. I can jump through that hoop to get my fruit snack All right, right? let's do it. Yeah. So so vice versa, let's say he gets out of bed and he's like, mom, can I have fruit snacks for breakfast. And I say, oh, buddy, absolutely, you can have some fruit snacks. Just as soon as you have your toast and you have your banana. And he says, No. I don't, I don't want my toast and banana. I want fruit snacks. Well, this is an opportunity, right? He's trying to engage with me. And I'm not saying that he's like consciously thinking, I'm going to engage with my mother and blah, blah, blah. But in that space, I get to say, oh, buddy, nice try. Go ahead and have a a banana and some toast. And then you can have some fruit snacks. And then I just go about my business, right? Uh So it's sharing that control within limits. You're going to give up as much control as you possibly can. What's tricky is in a lot of parenting strategies and in parenting in general, we hoard control. Yeah. Like we just, we're the parent, we know, we know best. And some it comes from both spaces. Sometimes it's we're the parent, we know best, tough tic-tacks, or sometimes it's, oh my gosh, let me help you. Like I I want to be there for you. I don't want you to have to suffer through this. So let, let me take some of that off your plate, right? But the problem is that we hoard when we hoard control, our kids will do whatever they can to pry that from our hands. Mm. because they're hardwired to want to have choice. Yeah, We signed up for agency before even coming to this planet. That's the plan we picked. It's the key to the plan we picked, right? So if kids are trying to pry that away from us, that's where you get these power struggles. And that's where you get like, are you serious right now that we're fighting about wearing a red coat versus a blue one? This is shenanigans, right? But if we share that control and we give them as many choices they can possibly have, then they're able to feed that. And then when we have to have it, it's okay yeah. because they've had it in plenty of other spaces.
1: Well, I like the idea too. Uh, you're definitely talking consistency as well. And I, and I'm, because I know the fruits, let me, if we use that fruit snack example, um, I, I know I work with a lot of parents that would sometimes they're, I don't know if they wake up and they're feeling like it's a good day. They're like, yeah, you bet go have them. And if they wake okay. up and they aren't feeling it and like, no, come on, you know, fruit snacks for breakfast. And, and you're just teaching the kid to just be confused at that point.
2: Yeah. And then we're confused as to how come they keep doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, mm, because there's not that consistency across the board. Right. So you talked with um, Brandon and Patrick, I don't know when, a little bit ago, yeah. I watched the <laughs> cool video. Yeah. And Brandon talks about how there's these three components to trust. Mm. Consistency is one of those components. Yeah. Our kids aren't going to build trust with us, even if we're not in that consistent space. So we've got, build that relationship we've got empathy we have the sharing control another big part of love and logic is sharing dignity okay and this for me was really interesting as i started to like get really clear on what this looked like sharing dignity means my dignity remains intact their dignity remains intact okay
1: and it, wait so my was, dignity
2: yeah my dignity remains intact because i'm steering clear of giving a consequence in anger
1: okay i like that
2: i'm steering clear of lectures
1: yeah Still- hey, you, know, you know, the date. I mean, I, I remember reading data at one point that, that honestly said it was, it, it was less than 45 seconds is what uh, a teenager is really tuned into in a, in a quote lecture. I mean, and, yeah. that, and they're going into that. I think you said it well earlier where it's like, they're just trying to figure out what do I have to do to get out of this? Do I have to throw a yes. temper tantrum? Do I have to withdraw? What do I have to do to hide things so that I don't ever have to go through this again?
2: Yes. The, I mean, so there's, yes.
1: okay. So I like that you're saying that you're going to avoid avoid the lecture.
2: Because lectures just allow kids to blame us for their choices. Yep. That's all lectures do. Because as soon as that happens, right? And they click in, you almost see it. Like their eyes glaze over and they're just completely disengaged, right? So we're not dignified when we're giving a lecture. No. We've got kids who inside are glazed over, rolling their eyes at us. They're, that's not dignity. And we steer clear of the warnings. Because begging our children is not dignified, yeah. And our kids are going to need as many warnings as we give. That is the one of the hardest components that folks have in the love and logic space is that there's not warnings.
1: So that's warning not like
2: one, classic, to three.
1: You know, one, two. Don't make me get to three. Is that the classic warning? Or yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Or the hey, if you do that again, I mean, w- my wife and I were eating outside Saturday, and we were in earshot of another restaurant, and. And there was a guy that just the whole time. We're not going to the fair. We're not going to the fair. I'm like, yeah. I want to scream. You're taking them to the fair. I mean, you're yeah. going. So knock it off. So don't you know.
2: put that out there. If you're going to the fair, don't put that on the table. Yeah. 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 So this idea of warnings is that if I tell my kids, "Okay, one more time, and then you're going to your room," even if I follow through, let's say that I'm a rock star parent that day and I follow through with that, even if yeah. I do that, if I give them one warning, they're always going to need one warning.
1: Oh, I like that.
2: That's, be, that's the and whole, here's oh,
1: take the garbage out and then it's like i yes. parents like, I have to ask him three times. And if I got the kid there one on one, he's like, I know I've got two more times. I mean it's that easy. Right? Right?
2: Yes, exactly. So here's the thing, like we we want to give our kids as much leeway as we can and we want to kind of give them a heads up. But our kids are smarter than dogs. Mm-hmm. They're smarter than dogs. And we don't sit there with our puppy and say, Listen, fru fru, you poop on the carpet. This is what's gonna happen so don't poop on the carpet and then Fru Fru poops on the carpet and then we have a consequence no the consequence just comes comes out of the pipes it might even be a little bit of a surprise for frufru, Fru, but the quicker that that happens the more they're going to learn so we just know okay this is the consequence that's going to come down the pipes kid does the behavior we're consistent in the consequence that comes down the pipes we're giving it some empathy before we give the consequence consequence comes kids going to learn pretty quick every single time i do this this is going to be a consequence. Yeah, and what every time, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay.
1: No, ahead. First of all, I was going to make a, a lame joke of you know what is the consequence when a kid poops on the rug, but I mean you know
2: <laughs> don't hit him on the nose. That's okay. child abuse. Don't do that with a newspaper. Don't but do so that. <laughs> what,
1: you might, are you maybe you're going to get to this, and uh, I'm sure you are. But um, how do you come up with those consequences? Is that something that the kids are a part of? Is that just something that you you know you kind of come up with?
2: Yeah. I think it, it just, it really just depends Okay. because another part of this, so we have the relationship at the core and then we have that we're giving empathy before consequences. We have that we're sharing control. We were sharing the dignity. Okay. Another part of this is shared thinking. Okay. So it depends. Okay. It depends on the situation. It depends on the circumstance. Honestly, there have been times where my kids have come up with way worse of a consequence than I would have ever come up with. Yeah. And it's golden. Like sometimes there's times where that could be way helpful, so it really just depends. At the end of the day, the consequence just needs to match up. Okay. For example, let's say kid comes home um, forty five minutes late from curfew. Okay, and you're waiting for them and whatever, and you decide that they're gonna scrub the toilet because they were late. Okay. So the next morning they wake up and you say to them, "Hey, you were late last night. Scrub the toilet." And the kid's sitting there thinking, "What on earth does the toilet?"
1: Have to do
2: have to do with me being late, right? Now, could that work? Sure, you can you can logic anything back to the consequence, and that could be, you know what, Bud? I was so worried about you yesterday for a solid forty five minutes. I had no time to scrub the toilet. That's what I was going to do tomorrow or yesterday when you came home. I was just going to go and scrub that. I didn't have time because I was so worried about where you were. So you're more than welcome to blah blah blah. As soon as that toilet scrubbed. thanks so much right? Like as long as you connect it and that's what the love and logic stuff is, is it's natural consequences. If there's a way that the universe is going to have that consequence be great. But a lot of times, especially with the youngers, we've got to kind of like create that life experience for them, but you just match it up. Okay. So what would happen in real life if this were to happen? Right? So in real life, if my kid decided to bite someone, yeah, Here's what the real consequences would be, and how can I make that into like the house? Duh. Right? What's that one?
1: What's that one, for example? It depends. Okay.
2: So sometimes um, I'll have parents say, you know what? Um, mouths are not for biting. So we don't get to put anything fun in your mouth because nothing oh. fun happened with oh. your mouth. Okay. No right? That can be something. It could be, oh, buddy, this is so sad. It's not okay to bite sister. Uh-huh. And then there's a whole, like, uh-oh song that can happen that, that's a love and logic strategy of where it's like, uh-oh, and then you take them to their rooms and things like that. Um, so it really just depends on, it just needs to match up. If someone else bit someone else, there'd probably be some restitution. Okay. There would probably be some time away. Okay. Right? There would probably not be, okay, let's let you just play with whoever, whenever, yeah. I mean, it depends. It depends on the age. It depends on all those kinds of things. But the, the I guess, core like baseline is it just needs to connect with what happened. Yeah. And you logic it through with them initially. So I like you know, that. Buddy? I think it would be so much fun for us to get to go to McDonald's and play in the play place. I'm really worried. I'm worried that biting is going to happen in the play place. Because biting has been happening for the last week. So we can't go to the play place until we can figure out how to not bite. Well, when, when, but when, hopefully soon, bud, hopefully soon. When I'm, when I feel ready and here's the thing, we'll say in three days and the kid will be like, okay, I could not bite for three days. Okay. And then they don't bite for three days. And then we go to the play place and then they bite again. You don't need to tell them a time, a while soon. I use the phrase, hopefully soon for your sake, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, oh man, I just hope that it's sooner than later.
1: And then you, and then you're saying you do put a time to that so that they do.
2: I do in my head. I don't do it out loud to them. Okay. Um, one of these days,
1: cause you're, you're open on your podcast too, about uh, your ADHD. Um, man, wouldn't you love to do an episode where we were just allowed to, maybe go back after and we, we
2: to we, rabbit hole like crazy. Yeah. Cause
1: like that one, I was like, but you know, I had jokes about the McDonald's play place. It always smells like socks, you know? So or I mean, I, you know, all those kinds of wants
2: to go there anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> those things when my kids were young, all that stuff. I've taken a nap up in one of them. I mean, yeah. So those are kind yeah. of, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. So let those me, are the I ways that you allow. Oh, sorry. You but go no, I was going to say, I
1: know earlier, and I like where you were saying that sometimes the kids will come up with even worse punishments and I, and I'm wondering if, and, and again, not trying to compare, but I, cause I really like what I'm hearing with love and logic. I know in uh, the nurtured heart, I know that we talk a lot about allowing the kids to, um, kind of come up, sometimes they come up with yeah. those consequences. And, and because, you know, they, then now they kind of have some ownership in it as well. Yeah. And uh, you, you're the one that's maybe not the punisher, but gets to say, you know, when they, when they break the rule that it's like, oh man, you know, it gets yeah. like, you No. Know. so it sounds like that there's some room for that as well.
2: Absolutely. And that's part of allowing them their dignity.
1: Oh, gotcha. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so how that gets to sound is, oh, sweetie, something needs to happen with this. I'm going to give you tell six night you come up with a plan yeah, that's good on how we're gonna make this right or you come up with a plan on what you think would be helpful mm. you come up with a plan on what you're gonna do about this yeah um or i'll say like you know come six o'clock let's sit down and circle back and talk about your thoughts okay about what could happen with this you you've got a good head on your shoulders you'll figure it out we'll touch base six o'clock
1: I like that that's not a, you know, you go and think about it. It's uh, a, there's some praise there. There's some some space.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they come back and that's when they come back and they're like, well, I think that I should have to do all their chores for the next week. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, girl, I was just going to make you do that today. Right. (laughs) You want a week. Okay. All right. And sometimes depending on, because I've got one kiddo particularly who goes way overboard. Mm -hmm. Like I probably should never eat again. Okay. Because I took a cookie, you know, or, or whatever. And so that gets to be like, well, that's definitely one option. How would that work out for you to never eat again? Let's think this through. Now I know my body, I've got to eat about every day or it will die. Yeah. So I don't know if you've got the same kind of body. How would that go to never eat again? And they're like, well, I don't mean never eat again. I just mean like maybe I shouldn't have cookies for like the next week. And I'll say, okay. That's a huge thing. We are going to grandma's on Sunday and grandma makes amazing cookies. So you might want to consider no cookies for the next three days Mm. versus a week. But you know what? It's your deal. If you want to do a week, I will 110% support you in that. These are just some thoughts to consider. And then they'll be like, okay, I'll take the three days. Right. But sometimes they'll come with this consequence that's way bigger than you would do. But you think, you know what? Good on you. Absolutely. Sounds great. And then when they're frustrated about it, I've had my kids even say, I should have come up with a different consequence. I shouldn't have made it so hard. <laughs> that's, I think, the empathy. That's awesome.
1: It's like, oh man, sounds hard. I mean, that must yeah. be
2: tough. <laughs> yes, because then I could just be empathetic. I'm like, it is hard. A yeah. week is so long to have to scrub the toilet. I hear you, sister. I mm-hmm. I get it. It's really and then I'm aligning with them and I'm not like, Well, you're the one who picked it. tick tic exactly. You don't like I- it. Oh, yeah. well, or saying, you know what? You're right, sweetheart. I'll scrub the toy books for the next. Right,
1: month. right. Or you're, you're done now because then they're, you're teaching them the, uh, all right, I'm going to go just hammer away all the time. And yes. mom, I'm, I'm eventually going to get her to back down.
2: Yes. Their dignity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Their dignity stays intact when we don't blow, blow shame glare on them.
1: Oh, I use that all the time. And I give you credit. I want you to know, Becky. Shame Oh, girl.
2: you're sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm sure other folks have said shame glare, but, but. If we don't blow shame on, and the shame stuff is big. Shame stuff is about identity, right? It's not about behavior. So if we're like your blah, 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 that's shame glitter, right? So their dignity is intact if we don't throw shame on them. Their dignity intact is if we stay off the blame train. Their dignity is intact if we stay out of judgment. So we want their dignity to be intact and we want ours to be intact.
1: And I love that. I, I want to go back to the beginning where none of this has been walk all over me parenting. None of it yeah. has been without consequences and none of it has been, um, without boundaries. So yes. I just want to you know, make sure that people that hear this, know that, uh, what do you think? are? Yeah. I mean, what are the things that really get in the way with love and logic?
2: Oh, good question. Um, so when a relationship isn't present, mm. nothing that you try. Oh, is gonna okay.
1: Work. Gotcha. Okay.
2: That's huge. Um, Which I would dare say with any parenting strategy. If there's a relationship that's not present, it's not going to go well. Um, A lot of times when parents come back and they're like, Becky, I'm having a really hard time with this, this, and this, and this isn't working or whatever. When we peel the onion back, true empathy is not happening.
3: I agree. Yeah,
2: They're trying to be empathetic while they're angry. They're trying to be empathetic while they're lecturing. They're trying to be empathetic while they're enabling. And so true empathy is not necessarily happening. So a lot of times if the empathy is not there, then none of the strategies are gonna work. I mean, there's all kinds of strategies. There's something called the energy drain. There's delayed consequences. There's like um a strategic training session where you kind of like create these, these are all the love way and, logic that and logic yeah, so. these are all love and logic things. None of those are going to work. Yeah. If empathy is not present,
1: and again, I know we spent so much time on the empathy, but that's it's so important. And even as you're saying that, I know that I have people that say, "No, I was very empathetic." And again, you go back and you review the game film, and it was after I lectured, after I let them know,
2: yeah. how hard it was
1: for me now. Now, yeah. let me hear what it's like for you. Well, you've just set the table for them to not, you know, oh, I don't want to make mom feel worse, or I don't want to, you know, whatever. Yeah. It. So then it's like, no, I'm I'm good, and they're like, okay, good, you know. And, and so then the parent feels like I did my job, but I threw the shame glitter at him to start with you
2: know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the other, the other thing where love and logic gets a little wonky Uh is if people are showing up as that drill sergeant or showing up as that helicopter or as that fire hose and lawnmower and they're allowing their own stuff to get in the way. Yeah. Well, I'm not a good, I'm not a good parent. If I don't hold their feet to the fire and say, da, 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 da. Well, I'm not a good parent. If I let them just, flounder and do this all by themselves so if our stuff gets in the way then that's really wonky for the love and logic stuff as well but quite honestly i think that that's true for any parenting strategy Uh, that anybody tries to use
1: um do you feel like and maybe some of these are going to be layups as questions but so um i run into a lot where people will adopt a parenting new parenting paradigm they try it for an afternoon, see it didn't work, and now you know go back to the old. I mean, do you feel like that? This is one of those you just gotta keep at it. Keep it's the that's yeah, why I was yeah. gonna say paradigm, or it's the new place we're coming from, or it's our baseline, or I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah.
2: Yes. And I think it's funny because a lot of times parents, and I get to say this because I've done this myself, parents will sit the kids down and they'll be like, okay guys, we're starting something new. Yeah. Mom and dad are gonna do this new thing it's called love and logic and then our kids go and google it and figure out all the loopholes right so we're gonna start this new thing so you gotta be on board like that happens right as well where it's kind of the situation of where we we want for them to be on board and we're just looking for the silver the silver bullet like we just want this one thing to work and so if we try it and it doesn't it's this we need to be in this growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, yes. right? Because that's the whole, I mean, there's something called the competent, the competency confidence loop, mm. right? We get more confidence, the more competent we get. And, but the key is we have to try. Yeah. So you try and you fall flat on your face and it's not going to be smooth at first. It's going to be try and then burp and that didn't work. And why didn't that work? And let me look at that. A lot of times we're like, burp, oh, that didn't work because my kids, blah, 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 blah. But we need to be in the space of, oh, that didn't work what can I do different? How can I show up different in that space? Then yeah. as we do that, we get the competency and then we start to get the confidence. And then, you know, now, I mean, I've been using love and logic on my own kids. My oldest is 11 and I'm just starting to see the fruits of my labors.
1: Okay. No, I like That's good. That's good for people to hear. And I like where you're saying the, I know you're an acceptance and commitment therapy person as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: our goal is this new parenting paradigm. Then, you know, the, well, that didn't work or I, I did a, a bad job of it or whatever. We're not even debating if that's true or false. You know, those aren't, those aren't workable thoughts toward our goal. I mean, yeah. and our brain's going to continually try to tell us, hey, path the least resistance. You know, let's go back to just yeah. whatever, not, not worrying about this because yeah. it's hard. So I like that you're saying that it's just the, can. so it's, you're, it's going to be a process. I like that. The yep.
2: And to me, everything's informational. It's not good or bad, right or wrong. Everything's informational. So I tried this tactic on and this is what happened. That's information that I can kind of take in and say, okay, what worked? What didn't work? What helped? What didn't help? And then I can go back to the drawing board and start over. But a lot of times what happens is, in kind of this like acceptance commitment therapy or acceptance commitment training space is we as parents are not aware of the physiological sensations that go on our bodies when certain things happen. Like if my kid mouths off that for me sparks my, like that's a trigger super quick. If I have a disrespectful kiddo, whether it's my own, whether it's somebody else's whatever. Right. And if I'm not aware of how that shows up in my body, then I'm just going to go into this other space that I've always gone into the lecturing, the anger, the putting them in their place, the whatever. But that key, my body wisdom is going to tell me, okay, this is where we need to go. So I need to be super clear when so and so disrespects me. and My heart starts to beat really, really fast. I need to be aware. Okay, my heart's beating really, really fast. I like that, and
1: go. I mean, go deal with that, right? So I mean, because I have people that are saying, yeah. look, I, there's nothing I can do about it, and it's and yeah. it's no, you're aware of it now. So uh, now let's double down on some nice mindfulness principles. Let's kind of set the table yeah. so that maybe the the trigger won't be as as loud or as difficult. And you yeah, know, now you're coming you're wearing the robe, you have the ponytail, you're they they mouth off, and you're zen. I mean, you know, you yes. can, get it there. don't fuse to the, yeah, nothing I could do about it. That's just, that's just who I am.
2: Yes. And my body wisdom tells me where I need to tweak things mm. a little bit or whatever. Right. So a lot of times people will ask, they'll say, okay, so if I'm going to start this whole love and logic-y thing, where's the first place that I go? And I let them know, like the first tactic I would really lock up, regardless of what's going on with the kids, the first tactic I'd really lock up is neutralizing the argument. Mm. that's the first place to go because if you've got a kid who's running their mouth and you're going to engage, right. It's not, nothing's going to work. Never. So that neutralizing wow. the arguing is the bee's knees more for you than for them. Quite honestly, because nine times out of 10, our kids argue because we argue with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, and that's, I love
1: that. I mean, that's so, I know you get to see this stuff all the time too, but as soon even if the, that's where, even if the parent starts without empathy if they're just like, okay, you know, I just, first of all, that's, you know, you, you shouldn't be doing this at all, or I can't believe you're doing that. I mean, already we we're, we've spiked the, the adrenaline, the cortisol, and we are going to now just slowly slip into this uh, defense and tip for tad. And yeah. I got, I've got to get louder, or come up with the better analogy. And there's at that point, I know you see this too, nothing productive is going to happen. So you no. come up with a better analogy and then they're going to go, oh my gosh, you're right. I, I need to back up. Yeah. It's not
2: like all of a sudden they're going to get out of their cave person brain and just have all of this logic going on in their head. They're already back in that cave person brain, right? And so it's not necessarily going to be helpful. But being able to neutralize that arguing and curb that, which is a a strategy, right, of big like Love and Logic calls it neutralizing the arguing, being able to do that. And it's quick. It's fast. Being able to do that allows you to then open up all those other doors, to then share the control, to share the dignity, to share the thinking, to strengthen the relationship. It opens up all those doors. But if you've got a kid who's running their mouth and you do not have the wherewithal to disengage and the strategies to disengage, nothing else is going to work. So that's typically where I tell people when they're like, okay, where do I start? Like, I just want to try it on. I just want to see if it's a fit for me. Where do I start? Neutralizing the arguing is always where I suggest that folks.
1: Becky, I love it. See. I love it. I wish we had more time. I know. I told you that I, I knew we, I think we were both joking about, we could probably go a couple hours easy. We could. I know <laughs> No, you're and totally we shall. I think there should be a part two. Yeah. Uh, great. Hey, okay. okay. Becky, where do people find you?
2: Yeah. So um, go to Becky B E C K I E. And then Hennessy is just H E N N E S S Y. Becky Hennessey.com. And I finally got everything under one umbrella. Sweet. So I used to have a therapy website and a coaching website, and, and it was shenanigans for my yeah. ADHD brain. Right? Now it's all under one roof, just right. com. They can find out a ton there. They can go and um, put some information in and get a free 50-minute seminar on connection. Oh, nice. Um, okay those kinds of things. So beckyhennessy.com is where you'll find me. I'm on Instagram. I have to think. What am I on And I'll link Becky. everyone here.
3: Oh,
1: go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Becky becky.hennessy.lcsw, I think is Instagram. And I have a Facebook page. Well.
1: Okay, I'll link to all of them. We, You and I both uh, serve as mental health board folks on Leading Saints, which is a blast too. Yeah, it is um, a blast. Yeah, so. and uh, I can't wait to have you on again.
2: Cool, thank you.
1: Thanks, Becky. Fun. Yep. hang on a second and I'll hit stop, but uh, hold one second. a okay.
3: Flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind, it's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost
2: I'm floating past the midnight hour. They push aside.